Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. And now, from the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. Welcome back to the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins with me hanging out. Uh, we talked an awful lot about the East Region, talked an awful lot about Duke. Um, we've got very little show left, and we got an awful lot of basketball to talk about. Take a look at the West Region, and, you know, that one, your one and two are out there. I think it pales in comparison to the South that we'll, we'll kind of close out with. But Gonzaga, they're going to have their hands full with West Virginia, buddy. No, I can't. I can't agree more. And you know, the West is also known where other ACC teams go to die. Um, Gonzaga. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that. Yeah, I mean, of course, we knew that they would be where they are now, going into a, a matchup against West Virginia, who I knew a, not very much about except for Huggy Bear. He, you know, they're going to be well co- coached, physical, athletic. Um, that's really all I got to say there. I mean, the seven-footer in Gonzaga, I think he's going to be the difference maker, but it just depends on who can, who's going to be more physical in this tournament. Well, yeah. funny that you're talking about the post-play being the difference in the game. Uh, West Virginia is going to come out, and they kind of they play the old Nolan Richardson 40 minutes of hell type, right. type defense. West Virginia is going to pressure those Gonzaga guards um, in a way that they haven't ever seen before. Um, not this year, anyway. West Virginia, if they can disrupt Gonzaga, because Gonzaga wants to slow it down, you know, they want to get into their half-court offense, um, which is kind of counterintuitive when you think of West Coast. But anyway, they and St. Mary's, they play some of the slowest basketball out there. But West Virginia, this is ripe for the picking here. I I think West Virginia may shock the world. Um, Not me, because I got (laughs) this one. But West Virginia is going to give Gonzaga everything they can handle. In the other game, if I were placing a wager – on the Sweet 16, this is the game I would take. Vegas has got Arizona as a seven and a half point favor over Xavier. That's a lot of points to give. What do you feel like? I feel like you only need one to beat Xavier and advance. So, like, uh, the way I look at it is Arizona is going to beat Xavier. Xavier has played out their welcome in the NCAA tournament. Seven and a half points. I got two brackets left, I filled out four. <laughs> Arizona's in the national championship twice. So I, I have a lot of faith in this uh, team in Arizona. The Wildcats, you know, they're the, the cream of the crop for the Pac-12, which is turning out to be one of the best conferences according to the I the feel like somebody's book. been trying to tell you that for 90 days. <laughs> yeah, I think his right. initials are C. DeLambert. <laughs> And you know I have to eat you know I have to eat that crow and admit that but you know Arizona they're they're the team to beat um, Xavier nice run you beat a Maryland team that nobody even talked about all year long 
And, uh, you know, obviously you beat Florida State, which we've clearly identified them as in a league that was overrated. Is that not correct? Crystal Lambert? I, I, I can't tell you what that ears? does to me when you say those words, Brandon. I tell you what, I feel like it's Valentine's Day all over again or something. I don't know. So, all right, before we move out of the West, I, it, straight up, no spread included, you obviously have Arizona over Xavier. And as a Cincinnati kid, it kind of pains me, but I don't see Xavier coming up with a way to beat Arizona. Right. Obviously, anything can happen. We're, we're, we're going to stop saying that. I'm taking Arizona. You agree? Yes. All right. And Gonzaga, West Virginia, what do you got? Straight up. I got to go with the Gonzaga at this point. Um, Mark Few, it, it's funny that he's been coaching there for what, 18 years? Now? Yeah. 500 wins now, Mark Few. That's, I mean, I never, I, I don't think of him that way. Mark Few has taken a virtual, you know, I mean, I know that um, John Stockton played there once, um, once upon a time. Nobody knew who he was before he came into the NBA. But taking that, that's just proof that you can take a program and grow it from the ground up. Everybody knows who um, Mark Few is. People have tried to hire him away from that pro, that program. They can't get him. He's producing like top seeds, and I think this is the year he gets into the Elite Eight. And who knows? Like if they have a good game with the biggie. The big guy, the seven-footer against Arizona, who knows what can happen. He could find himself in the Final Four. Well, he could. And you made an interesting point about Mark Few because Mark Few is proof positive that with the right system and the right personality, you can go in and you can create probably differently than any other sport because you don't have to be you know, 45 players deep on your roster like you do in football. In basketball, if you're a good recruiter and you run a good system, you can establish the program. The thing is, is that most guys that are able to do that do that, and then they go take a paycheck a whole lot bigger someplace else. You know, you look at Gary Marshall at Wichita State. Gary Marshall now is a guy whose name is being thrown around, possibly at UCLA, whatever the case might be. But when you look at Wichita State, you know, if the if the salary is equal, what does he have to gain? Wichita State has showed the world over the last couple of years. I said, you know, on the air last week, Wichita State got done more wrongly, if that's even a word. Yeah, it is. Then than anybody else in the seating. And and I think that that runs like they have made, they're sort of ten years behind Gonzaga. You know, we we reset and take this Gonzaga team with this track record ten years ago and we're fussing because they're a six or a seven seed. Sure. Wichita State is well on the way to that, and they've established that program. They just keep rolling those guys through there. Um, you saw Shamit, you know, redshirt freshman who was the best player on the on the court against Kentucky for a lot of that ball game. The question is, how many of these guys that are out there want to stay at these mid majors? And that brings me to my next point. We're going to deviate from the from the bracket coverage here for a second, sure. but there's big news coming down the pipe. Um, I, I talked to a lot of folks this weekend. And my prediction has been for a little while now that Archie Miller is going to be the next head coach at UCLA. Well, it doesn't take much to do the math. Steve Alford is, I know for certain, interested in the in the Indiana program. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to take it. But Indiana at this point, the rumors coming out of Indiana are that they've offered Steve Alford seven years, $31 million to come home. You know, mama called. And Steve Alford has a chance to go to probably the only program in the country that could possibly lure him away from Los Angeles and go to Indiana. If that happens, 
Then you've got a situation with Archie Miller where it's not Archie Miller deciding, do I want to go to a, I don't dare living here in North Carolina, call them a middle-of-the-road program, but a second- or third-tier program like North Carolina State. Now it's a matter of, do I take a true, legitimate, blue-blood program job at UCLA and go there and try to be there for the next 30 years? If that opportunity comes for Archie Miller, I can't see that he would turn it down. But when I look at this, when I look across the landscape, I just don't know where UCLA could turn other than that. Anybody, you know, jump to mind that might be a possibility for that UCLA job? Who am I leaving out of the equation? No, I can't really. It's funny that this is shaking out the way it did. Uh, Debbie Al made a pretty bold move and go ahead and get in Keats, and we'll talk about that later. Well, well, she did go get Keats, and I think it's a not only a bold move, I think it's a great move. Absolutely. However, there's no chance, zero chances, I sit here today, live and breathe, that she made that move without having been in contact with representatives for Archie Miller. There's no way that happened. Sure. Sure she didn't. But what she did do is make a pretty – she wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, so to speak, thinking, you know, you can't look back at your history and hire your coaches based on ancient history. She learned from her mistakes in the Godfrey hire, and she went ahead and jumped on Keats, which is a great hire in my opinion, and we'll talk about him more later. But I think Archie Miller is in this really strange situation. I mean, if you're telling me that Steve Alford, well, what's that average out at? A little over two, between four and a half, four and a half. That's crazy money to coach a team. And back to Wichita State, they pay. They already paying that um, guy. What's his name? Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. Um, over two million dollars right now. So the the thing that you can do as a program is pay your coach, get the right guy, pay him, and give him some you know some leeway in terms of how long he's going to be with the program. Back to Archie Miller. I don't know where that leaves him. He would be crazy not to take the UCLA job, right? I I think you have to take it. And, and here's my, my thinking with regard to this is, is a job like that had to be part of the consideration and not necessarily this year, but he's got to be looking at the future because I am, I, I, I don't know for certain, but I'm telling you that I feel like there's zero chance that Kevin Keats got hired by NC State without some kind of dialogue between the NC State athletic director and Archie Miller because he was – it just makes perfect sense. It's too, I mean, he's a mid-major, got Dayton to four straight tournaments. This is the the best four-year run in the history of that program. They're loaded up. They'll continue to play good ball out there. So he's done what he can do at the mid-major level. Now it's time to take a conference gig. And if he wasn't going to leave Dayton to go to a program like NC State, which is sort of second or third tier, then that means he's not interested in a second or third tier job anywhere. You know, he's not going to pass on NC State and then take the Illinois gig. I don't see that happening. Um, There are whispers out there that Sean Miller was in his ear and asked him not to take the NC State job because Sean Miller thinks that he might be the heir apparent to Roy Williams. If Sean Miller thinks that, he's got another thing coming. Wow. (laughs) Because it's not going to happen. I mean, talk about about why that's not going to happen. Because um, the guy played at NC State. <laughs> Do you need anything else? I mean, maybe. No, Sean Miller played at Pitt now. Uh, oh, you're talking no, about I'm Sean. talking about Sean. He's Sean, saying that Sean Miller, Sean Miller, that's the story that's circulating the internet right now. And, well, and you know, it's social media. So, so you know, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. But the story is okay. that Sean Miller said, Archie, 
I would prefer you not go to NC State because I think I'll be in line to take the the UNC job, which is interesting. Certainly UNC is a step up from Arizona, but Roy Williams isn't going anywhere anytime soon. No. Uh, UNC hasn't – when have they ever hired a non-homegrown coach – um, there's going to be people stacked like cordwood trying to get that job, and I, Sean Miller, Sean Miller better go ahead and put down his roots in Arizona because he's not coming to UNC if that's his dream job. I just don't see that happening. Well, give me five seconds. Uh, I think Roy William, uh, like the UNC job, is a system job. Roy took it from Dean, took his formula, and is moving it forward. Um, in terms of okay, I, I <laughs> we'll talk about it after the break. But you just skipped a little bit of history right there. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. They're strong, and then there's Army Strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, appreciate you hanging out with us. I'm Chris DeLambert. This is Brandon Atkins with me. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. All right, Brandon, in this final segment, we're going to plow through the Midwest and then the group of death down there in the South bracket. Um, my overall number one team in the country for most of the, most of the, the year has been Kansas, and those Jayhawks haven't done anything to disappoint they played a hot Michigan State team. They were challenged, but they found a way to get through. And now, as far as I'm concerned, it's clear sailing to the Final Four. Um, they've got Purdue. Now, Purdue Purdue poses a problem in that gigantic monster in the middle, Caleb Swanigan, because that's a man. It, he's almost like your big brother playing with the, playing with the little kids. 
I mean, you can't move him off the block. He's going to do what he does. You know, averages 13 boards a game. Uh, amazingly efficient on offense. But I think that when you look at it, Kansas is just too athletic. Going to run him out of the gym. Uh, Frank Mason and um, and Josh Jackson, those guys are uh, – I mean, they're they're next-level athletes. I think with Kansas, anytime you have one of the best players in the country and a four-year senior who could potentially – and Frank, um, Frank Mason Jr., um, Frank Mason the third. Frank Mason the third. My apologies no, no to worries. you, Frank. Um, I knew that. You're, you're going to have the, one of the best chances to win a national championship because you have the experience and then you have the horse, right? And from, from that standpoint, these guys are going to blow the doors off of Purdue. It's not really going to be close. You have a, you got Bill Self, one of the best coaches, who frankly doesn't have as many rings as he probably should have. You can blame that on whatever you want to. Nor as many Final Four appearances. I, right. you know, if you ask me in a vacuum, I'd be always, oh, you know, four, five, six times. No, two Final Fours and one championship in the thirteen years at Kansas. But I agree with you. Kansas should get by Purdue easily. Right. Um, and then in the bottom of that bracket, um, in those Thursday night games, my favorite team. I, I love to watch these guys play. I still think Dylan Brooks is the best best player in the country. Uh, you're looking at a short-handed Oregon team. Um, Michigan, Michigan is playing as well as anybody right now in terms of uh, maximizing their output. Uh, you know, the whole plane crash thing and it galvanized the team, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, through the Big Ten tournament, I got tired of hearing about it. Now I'm really tired of hearing about right. it. But these guys are doing it on the floor. And and you're looking at a young team out there. Oregon, Oregon hasn't gotten past the injury to Chris Bergeron. And, right. and that and that presence in the middle, you know, coming into the tournament, I said, you know, Oregon first of all has instant offense with Dylan Brooks can can create a shot, get you money anytime you want it. But the other thing that set them apart was their post defense because they would lock down and match up with anybody. It didn't matter how you wanted to play them. Bergeron coming out of there, they haven't moved past it. I thought possibly that maybe that would rally this team and they would find a way to overcome it. I haven't seen it on the floor yet. Yes, they've gotten through the Sweet 16, but it hasn't been pretty doing it. Um, who do you have in that Oregon-Michigan game? Well, Big Ten has showed up for this tournament. You can't deny that. Um, it's a good thing for branding purposes that they don't call this the Southwest region with Michigan's plane crash because I think they end oh up gosh. beating Oregon. Oregon barely got by Rhode Island, who hasn't been in the tournament for the last 18 years. I think Lamar Odom was the last that player, sounds right. That player sounds right. that actually you know, put Rhode Island in the map, on the map. And they struggle with them, and it's due to injury, and they've kind of lost their way. But Michigan is on fire right now. They have all the momentum. They beat a number 2 seed in Louisville, who a lot of teams in the tournament did not want to play. They're long, well-coached by Patino. Um, so I, I picked Michigan to go through and face uh, Kansas here. All right, I'm taking Oregon only because my mother will be listening to the show, and if I pick Michigan, I wouldn't be able to come home at Thanksgiving gotcha. ever again. So I'm going to take Oregon and Kansas. You've got Michigan and Kansas. We'll see how that shakes out. I think Kansas gotcha. is, is the odds-on favorite to get through that region into the Final Four. And then to the south and the group of death. And mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what, you're looking at, North Carolina, 
Butler, UCLA, Kentucky. And this really doesn't happen that often. If you look back historically, it's not often that the Sweet 16 teams from a particular region are the one, two, three, four seeds. They are. The the thing on top of this, when you look at this bracket relative to the other brackets, this was already the most difficult bracket or the most difficult region in the tournament. I don't think anybody had any any uh, uh, arguments against that. Right. But you look what's left, and you look at North Carolina, UCLA, Kentucky, you're not even just talking about a legitimate one, two, and a three seed. You're talking about three teams that legitimately – if things had fallen a little bit differently the last week and a half of the season, could have been legit one seeds, and they're all sitting down there to beat up on each other right. here over the next couple of days. They play those games on Friday night. I don't have to ask you, UNC Butler, we're just going to go blow by that because I know you're taking UNC Actually, I have and you're one taking UNC on Big. Go, yeah, go ahead. Just really quickly, UNC over Butler, and I would have said Butler would give them a challenge because they the way they like to slow the game down. But then I watched the Arkansas game in which they pressed up and tried to like move the ball up and down the court for the first part of the game. And so I think UNC is just versatile enough to, to beat Butler there. I'm going to take UNC big for another reason completely. Most teams that find their way into a national championship, and, and I, I think UNC is my favorite to win this championship, have one of those games like UNC played against Arkansas right. where things have to go right. Uh, there's going to be folks in Arkansas forever that are crying about the Barry charge that he got away with. You're crying about ACC <laughs> refs and all the rest of that. Right. <laughs> you know, Barry came in and, and, and don't talk a body about block, the, but whatever. Don't talk about the foul before that, but that's okay. But, uh, but I think that UNC, um, UNC got that game out of their system. Right. Uh, I think maybe it's a head check there, and now they're focused, but they better not look past Butler. And that would be easy to do because down there you have your premium game of the tournament so far, UCLA-Kentucky. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm taking Kentucky, and I'm taking it not only in spite of player of the year candidate Lonzo Ball, but because of Lonzo Ball. And I'm going to tell you that the difference in this game for me is going to be Lonzo Ball trying to play defense on either Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox. I don't think he can hold them, and I think he will get destroyed off the dribble, and they will take him to the 10 all night. What do you think, Brandon Atkins? On this matchup, and I'll tell you my thoughts about the bracket, um, Butler, by the way, they've only beaten a number 12 and a number 13 seed to get to UNC, but that's neither here nor there. UCLA takes Kentucky. I think um, Wichita State gave them more of a battle than nobody, not more than anybody thought they would, but they really, pre- I mean, that's, this is a close game. You're talking about two block, three point shots towards the end of the game and a turnover. Wichita State can make the argument that they should be, if those plays, you know, go their way, they could easily be facing UCLA here. It's an epic battle. I view the whole bracket as, if you look at in NBA terms, UNC is like the heat of the East. If you look at UCLA and Kentucky, I look at them as Golden State and the Spurs. Like, wow. let them kill each other <laughs> until you get to the heat and UNC. And UC, UNC, as long as they can take care of business against Butler, can move forward and take, take, you know, take on the one that actually made it through that battle. Okay, so who are you taking? UCLA, Kentucky. Let's UCLA, make, I'm sorry. UCLA. All right. Vegas agrees with you. UCLA's got uh, yeah. UCLA, Vegas has got them given a point. 
Um, I disagree. I'm going to go with Wildcats, and that's a shout-out to my old Lexington people. Um, you know, talking about Duke and, and North Carolina, I do have to qualify that by saying that I've never lived in a community that was as bananas about a, a team of any type as Lexington, Kentucky is about right. Kentucky. But I've right. got the Wildcats, and I've got UNC. I know we're agreed on the UNC. Um, who do you see, given the 16 teams that are left, Who's your national champ? I still have North Carolina. All right. And I, and if you had asked me with about three or four minutes left last night, I would have had might maybe not had the same answer. But they have everything as long long as Joel Berry's ankle heals up, and maybe they've learned this lesson through um, the, Ar- the Arkansas game. I, they're they're my, my favorite. All right. I'm going to take UNC, but I'm going to qualify that by saying that to me. I believe that the winner of this tournament is going to be whoever wins the South because I'm not willing to give UNC the the nod over UCLA or Kentucky coming right. out of there. I will tell you this though: keep your eye on Baylor. If Baylor plays to if Baylor plays to their maximum potential, Baylor can beat anybody. And that I want to close the show talking real quick. You made a point earlier. The Naismith committee loves seniors. They love point guards. Right. When the when the finalists when the list of fifteen finalists was released a couple weeks ago, you and I talked about it. We talked about it last week on the air. Um, fifteen finalists. Both of us. Frank Mason's going to win this thing. Right. And and it's it's sort of laid out that way. So the so that you know at home real quickly. Lonzo Ball, the freshman point guard at UCLA. Josh Hart, shooting guard from Villanova. And Caleb Swanigan are the other are the other finalists. I think Caleb Swanigan, as a sophomore, has the numbers that are there. But I really think that when you look at the at the swingmen that could have gotten into that Final Four, Swanigan got the nod just because they needed a post player in the Final Four. Yeah, they weren't going to release it with four small guys in there. And then you look at Josh Hart. Josh Hart, just best player, best team in the country, I think. Um, Josh Hart's a very good player, has had a very good career at Villanova. But I think Frank Mason is the guy. But this is what I wanted, the point I wanted to make with one minute to left here. I don't think, first of all, Frank Mason is the best player on his own team. Yep. I think that's Josh Jackson. And this is my shock the world moment for you guys. I don't even feel like Frank Mason the third is the best point guard in the Big 12. I'll take Manu LeCompte from Baylor, and I'll beat your team every time. What do you think? I think you said it all there. I mean, I can't. that's a drop, drop the mic moment for you there, Kristen Lambert. <laughs> I can't really add anything to that. Well, the mic drops. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Grandmaster Tim Copas on the Wheels of Steel back there running this show. Thank you, Tim. Charles Melby taping us for television. Thanks, um, you can find us on Facebook at Cheap Street Radio. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore DeLambert. We will be back next week, and I'm sure we'll be talking about basketball. We may be looking back at the WBC. We'll be talking NFL draft. We will uh, we'll go wherever this little adventure leads us. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts, Brandon? Good show. NCAA tournament. It's very exciting. Thanks for letting me be here. Dave. One last yes. little shout-out for Duke fans. <laughs> Duke, Duke fans, I'm sorry I went on to uh, did – did Duke win.com today and it said no. <laughs> See you next time. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.